0: It's the sound of the business buzz. I'm your host, Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be here for the next hour to entertain, amaze, inform, shock. No, I won't I won't do any of that. I'm just having a nice break in the KKXX recording studios while I'm in the middle of a very busy tax season. It is April, so there's no denying that Accountants are not available right now. One thing I did notice, I wanted to let you know, I hope you've got time to just relax a little bit. I don't have a giant scheduled uh, scripted thing going today. I've been working so many late hours that I'm just kind of putting a few interesting things together to talk to you about. One thing I noticed is I received a call from a potential new income tax client that needs help with their taxes, and what really surprised me was that they had contacted someone in a town, not not Chico, but pretty close by, and that tax person had said, oh, sorry, I'm not taking new clients this time of year. And this was probably around the 1st of April time frame. And number one, there's a thing that I've talked about here on Business Buzz before that everybody should at least know about, especially if you have any kind of interesting tax situation that could end up being helped by this, the word I'm talking about is called extension. Put it this way, if I'm a CPA in the business of taking on and building my tax practice, and someone calls me even April 8th, not even April 1st, let's say they call on April 8th or April 10th or even April 12th, if I have the ability to figure out in round numbers whether they need to pay some tax in or not, the extension form gets e-filed through the IRS website just like a, the income tax returns get e-filed. It's about a five-minute job once you've done the preliminary work to figure out if somebody owes tax or not if they owe tax, you can either have them pay with a direct debit to their bank or you can just print a voucher and they can mail a check by April 17th this year. It just amazes me that somebody wouldn't take on a new client when they could at least offer them an extension time. My point is this, the person who told me this, I was, I was saying, wow, they wouldn't take anybody new. Then he also mentioned that a very close friend of his was a client at this place. So this place, not only did they not try to take a new client or at least ask a bunch of questions to see if they might get some help for this person with two weeks left in the filing season, but they also turned down somebody as a new client who was a very close friend of an existing client. Now, I'm not saying there couldn't be other reasons why this person turned this person down, I don't know. It could be that this person who turned down the person that talked to me didn't want another client like the one they already had. I can't say for sure. What I'm trying to say is there are a lot of good reasons why extensions can even be positives, but the main reason would be right now it's April already. The tax season officially ends April 17th, but if you file an extension, you are legally not late filing your taxes until October 15th. There's a few disadvantages to filing extensions, but there's a lot of positives. I've covered these before, but I wanted to mention them today. You are possibly someone who is right now gathering all your information. You might not have found it all. For some reason you might've lost an envelope full of receipts from earlier in 2017. You may be putting together your information right now, trying to scramble to get it into your tax preparer or to try to scramble to get it done yourself on TurboTax or some program like that. And, here's my point. Let's say you owe a lot of tax because you're self-employed, but you may rush to get this in before April 17th, and you may forget to add that envelope full of receipts that you can't find. And you may end up paying more tax than you should have. Here's the two alternatives in that scenario. One alternative is, you would say, well, you know, I, can, I know that there's a thing called an amended return, which is true, and you can go back later and change your tax return using new information on what's called an amended tax return. I do do amended tax returns. I do them for various reasons. Anytime there's a mistake, whether it's the client forgot something, whether I forgot to ask something, whether new information came to the client, Amended returns are normal, they happen all the time, and they're not a big deal. What I don't like to do on on an amended return is to put something in to the effect, because you have to explain why you're amending. It doesn't really look good for you to file a tax return and then a month later send in an amended and say, oh, I forgot $10,000 of expenses. And the reason is is that when you file an amended It's not e-filed. It's done on paper. It sits on someone's desk, and they actually read everything you send them. You probably, in that case, would have to figure that you're going to copy every one of those receipts that you found extra so you can back it up with the IRS and say, here, here's the receipts I forgot. Okay, so let's say your pile of receipts is $2,500 worth of computer equipment that you should have written off originally. Well, here's the thing. When they see that and then they see other expenses that you already claimed on your April filed tax return that you didn't do an extension, they might look at that and say, okay, that's fine. Here's part of the receipts, but maybe we should look at the other ones too and make sure you didn't duplicate this amount. My point is amended returns are fine, but you never want to do a return planning on needing to amend it. It would be much smarter in that case that I just went over if you would just get an extension to file your tax return. Some clients do their own extensions. I do them for my clients. It's a one-page form. If I'm not mistaken, it doesn't even need to be signed anymore. You just mail it in. And as long as your mailing date of that extension, if you choose to do it by postal U.S. mail... The mailing date this year of April 17th would get the extension legally, and you're, you're legally extended. Now, there's a few catches, and I don't want you to take this as tax advice. I'm just telling you some of the basics of how it works. If you need an extension done, you can call my office unless there's some reason why I can't figure your numbers by the deadline time. I am always willing to help you do an extension before April 17 so that we can sit down after April 17 and take our time and not be rushed and get your tax done correctly. The issue is if you always owe income tax, you need to at least have a ballpark figure of what you might owe. And the reason is this, you can extend the filing of the tax return, the deadline for filing is what gets extended when you send in an extension. It's not a deadline to pay the tax. Now, the beauty of an extension is this. Let's say you guess wrong, and let's say you think you might owe $5,000 of tax, and you send that in with your extension. And then when you get done with your tax, and let's say it's October, which is six months later, and now you realize that you actually owed $10,000, not five, so you're short by $5,000. Here's the beauty of doing a legal extension of time. The penalties on the $5,000 that you owe in October over and above the five that you paid in in April is only one-half a percent per month. If you had forgotten to do an extension or if you had just plain not done an extension, either way, you didn't get one done. If that were to be the case the penalty for the $5,000 is 5% per month. That does cap out at 25%, but you would owe an additional probably 25% instead of an additional 3%. Because if you file six months later with a legitimate extension, as I said before, the penalty is only one half of 1% per month. So on your $5,000, 3% of that is only $150 that's much less than the $1,250 that you would be your penalty had you filed late without an extension. The other thing about an extension versus not an extension is if you file late without an extension, there are v- uh, many, many items on your tax return where the law says you can elect to do this or you can elect to do that or you can elect to not do this or that and the law says by the filing deadline of the tax return or the extended due date. Let's just say you have a choice of doing something that could save you $1,000 in tax, but it requires an election on your tax return. If you didn't file an extension and it's already past April 17th, If it's one of those elections that is due by the due date of the return or the extended due date, you now are too late to make that particular election. I'll give you a quick example. Well, I'm not going to give you an example of this. I'm going to change my mind because the new tax law has monkeyed with some of these old tax laws that I've been used to for the last 30 years, 35 years actually. I don't wanna just assume that they haven't changed some nuances in the new tax law. I'm still learning all the major factors of the new tax law. I would say I've got 90 to 95% under my belt now with my continuing ed. There are still a few little areas that are so complicated that during tax season, I have not had time to learn everything. So any serious tax planning for 2018 beyond the basics that I've already mastered is gonna have to wait until May or June just because there's too much to learn. And the IRS will come out with clarifications on some of the areas of the new tax law that just aren't perfectly clear. Every law has unclear wording, and this new tax law is no exception. Some of the features of this tax law are going to be debated over the next few months. They'll end up in some actual tax court cases at some point, probably a year or two from now. And those items will end up being adjudicated and then we'll have a definition of what the actual wording meant when there's a confusing bit of wording in the new tax law. On the topic of the new tax law, since I've talked about this last, which was probably about four to five weeks ago, I've seen a lot more tax returns. I've finished a lot more tax returns. I've looked at the analysis of a lot more tax returns of the 2017 versus 2018. And I'm now to the point of seeing that there are a few other categories of taxpayers who are not getting tax cuts between 2017 and 2018. I don't want to get overly complicated with this, but the people who are not getting the tax cuts are generally the people who... Had a lot of property tax that was able to be expensed in full in 2017. But that area called tax deduction on the personal itemized deduction side is now being limited to $10,000 in the 2018 year. So if you have somebody that's paying, uh, to, and these are, if you think about people living in areas other than Chico, here the median home price, I believe, is. It's climbing lately, but it's probably, I don't know, 270 280 something like that. So our median home price leads to us in that type of home paying maybe $3,000 a year in property tax. So a normal return in the Chico area might have $3,000 in property tax, four or $5,000 in state income tax, and a couple hundred dollars in DMV car tax. So we're looking at you, the usual Chico type average person probably has seven or eight thousand dollars in the section called taxes on their itemized deductions. We're going to be coming up on the first break here today in a little while, so I won't uh, let the thought process go when that happens. But here's the thing: most Chico people probably aren't going to be subject to that limit of the ten thousand. But let's say you're down in the Bay Area, and let's say you just spent. A million five on a home, and you also have a lot of income tax, which is part of the income and property tax area. We're coming up on that break. I will see you at the end of the break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back with more information.
1: America, bless God. Fellow Americans, your hearing this admonition establishes that you are one who cares for the America that has been so blessed by Almighty God. We implore you to embrace the laws of nature and of nature's God, to read and know the Constitution. Join with other moral and religious people and organizations to foster the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. America, bless God. How are you going to get to the Sacramento airport? Use North Valley Shuttle. It's easy online at NorthValleyShuttle.com.
0: Don't be that person who bugs their friends or family to take you. Book online right now at NorthValleyShuttle.com. North Valley Shuttle has added new departure and arrival times each week for your convenience. Serving Chico, Paradise, Oroville, Gridley, Live Oak, and Yuba City Marysville. North Valley Shuttle gets you there quickly and safely. Leave the car at home and let NorthValleyShuttle.com do the driving. License PSC 20791. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm your host Harold Littlejohn CPA. I'm glad you're here today. It's another lovely April day in Chico. We get so many nice seasons here. This one's a this one's a good one. Now, I was discussing the people who are getting not getting a tax break and I don't want to belabor this whole section, but you should be aware that the section of your itemized deductions called taxes includes mainly state income tax, state disability insurance, property taxes paid, and DMV property tax on your vehicles. That section's limited to $10,000. What I was getting at before the break was our average Chico family doesn't pay over $10,000 in that department because the average Chico home generates maybe $3,000 of property tax uh, the family generates maybe three to four to five thousand of state income tax, so the basic average uh, taxpayers probably under that ten, which is a good thing because their amounts will be able to be utilized in full if they're itemizing here 's the problem, and I was getting to this before the break if you're in the Bay Area, you paid a million five for your home, your property taxes alone are seventeen thousand a year well. If you have that plus a good salary that's generating 10 or 12,000 of state income tax, under the old law your tax section was $30,000. Under the new law it's capped at 10,000. So, the bottom line with the new tax law is that overall the the tax rates are lower, so everybody does save when tax rates are lower. The problem is some people save in more than one department of the new tax law. But some don't. So I am seeing a few people these days that are actually not really getting tax cuts because of these limitations. I won't go into a full blown hour about the new tax law. I'll talk about putting people to sleep. In fact, if you're driving, we definitely don't want to put you to sleep. I am going to talk about a couple other real interesting topics today. Um, not. Uh, As far as uh, current news, what I'm mainly talking about right now, if anybody of you watch the markets at all, and you stockbrokers out there, I know you watch them because that's how you make your living. There's been some very interesting patterns going on in the markets lately. Now, since this is my tax season, I don't get the chance to sit and watch markets on my computer, even though that's fun to do once in a while when I can. I don't do it during tax season, obviously. But I do follow some investor-type YouTube people who do daily recaps of the market. So they point out what they've seen, and then they show charts. And it's like a five-minute way for me to get a kind of a recap of what happened today in the markets. And what's really interesting is you'll have a day like I believe it was yesterday These days, like I say, with tax season, it's all melting together. I don't know which day was which exactly out of the last few. But I believe it was yesterday. The market opened up, the stock market opened up with the Dow down 500 early in the trading. And lo and behold, later in the day, it shot up and ended up, I believe, like a plus 200. So we had a 700 point swing upward in the Dow. Now, at the same time, on the same day, what you'll notice is sometimes early in the morning, the bond market, which is really the biggest market in the world, the bond market begins to sell off. And when bonds go down, when people sell bonds, that raises interest rates. In other words, if there if there's no demand for bonds, there's no buyers. So the seller's start selling the bonds, and buyers, if there's no demand, they won't find a buyer until the price is lower. It's basic supply and demand, which is what my topic today is talking about, how our world has forgotten basic supply and demand temporarily. And it's not our world that's forgotten basic supply and demand. It's the people who are running these markets have ignored basic supply and demand. So let's just take that quick example about supply and demand. It's 5 a.m., the bond market opens up in New York, and all of a sudden bonds are down because there's no buyers, but there's a lot of sellers. When you have a seller, you can't do a sale until you find a buyer. So the seller will not find a buyer in in a market like that until he lowers his price far enough to find a buyer. As the price goes down, buyers jump in, And that's what makes downtrends slow down and eventually stop. The price reaches the proper price where there's an equilibrium of buyers and sellers and it'll stay stable. That's how these markets are supposed to work. What you'll notice is when bond prices go down, interest rates are going up. What you'll notice if you watch this during the day is that bonds will be way down in the morning, which means interest rates are heading higher And lo and behold, in comes some gigantic buyer of bonds to raise the bond market up, to get the bonds up and the interest rates down. Uh, It's very incredible the amount of volume that comes in when these bonds start falling and interest rates start rising. All of a sudden you have these gigantic buying come into the market, and sometimes it can't actually push the bond Price back up and the interest rate back down, but it can stabilize it and it can stop the bleeding, so to speak, when the bond market is going down and interest rates are going up. Here's another conundrum that you might want to p- contemplate a little bit. How is it that the Federal Reserve raised interest rates on March, around March 20th, I believe? So that's been about oh, two to three weeks. And all that's happened to like the 10-year Treasury interest rate is it's gone down. Can that really be realistic? when When the short-term interest rates are all supposedly going up? I'm going to fill you in on why this is all happening this way. The 10-year Treasury, which is the one I follow, that rate is kind of an average of Treasury. In other words, when we say our deficit is 21 trillion dollars what we mean is the treasury owes 21 trillion to the buyers of treasury debt the 10 year treasury is a good midpoint between the short term 2 year treasuries and the long term 30 year treasury so i always look at the 10 year because it's sort of in the middle that's not a scientific middle it's just kind of a good gauge of you can't watch two or three of these it gets you too confused but I can watch the 10-year every day. It's down at around 2.75 right now, I believe. It was just under three, but then someone came in and bought them. What I'm trying to say is somebody or some group is buying bonds. No person in their right mind would invest their hard-earned money for 10 years to earn 2.7% when it's obvious that inflation is at least that high. You might as well just take cash money and put it under your mattress because all you're going to do is lose your money to the where the wear of higher prices in the future, which is in the, the, the real funny part about this is the group that's likely doing this is also the group that has as its stated mission to cause 2% inflation per year. That is why this is so important for you to know. The markets are fake. There's a thing called fake news that's been in the news. Well, I'm proposing that we have a term called fake markets. Now, what's been happening in the stock market related to the bond market is when they try to pump up the bond market, That, when, bond, when interest rates go down, that normally would kind of push money back into the stock market. Well, here's what happens these days. They try to push all the money into the bond market And if that pushing of money into the bond market doesn't make the stock market go up, they resort to having to buy stocks directly. So when you see a day where stocks are down and the Dow is the big measure of 30 stocks, when the Dow is down 500 in the morning, but during the day someone comes in and buys up enough stocks to make it end up 200 points higher for the day, that is called intervention. It's not natural. This is not really happening. You and I are not calling our stockbroker when the Dow's down 500 and saying, oh, I want to buy. Let's go all in. We're coming up on break number two. This is Harold Littlejohn CPA telling you to be careful with your money. I'll see you in a minute or two. Stay tuned.
1: Hi, this is Rob Walter, host of Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is a program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness and where the uncompromised Word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Join me at 7 a.m. on KKXX. Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. here on KKXX. Let's off. Astronaut Bob the Drop here. There's been a lot of talk about water found on Mars. Why would you go all the way to Mars for water when we have the best tasting water at Mount Shasta? It comes from our protected springs and is delivered right to your door. Great landing, Bob. Hey, where are you going with that? Those Martians are stealing my water. Guess we have some new customers. And anyone can get Mount Shasta spring water if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Your simple. Naturally, the best Mount Shasta spring water.
0: You wanted to be a teacher when you were little. But as you grew up, things changed. Teaching just didn't seem like the best option anymore. So you decided to become something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Interesting and innovative things are happening in teaching today. So it's time to put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn CPA. I'm really glad you're here with me today. I'm taking a much-deserved break from my office, and I'm here trying to keep your money safe and keep you happy as a clam. Or as one guy I listened to would say, happy as a woodpecker in a lumberyard. The next thing I wanted to talk about, well, I was talking about the fake markets and how you'll see that when the Dow and the bond market start falling in the morning, many times they come right back up. There was another day last week, I think, where the market was down like 700 and something points, and it ended up only 300 down. Uh, Same thing that day. It's all fake. And I've been telling myself these days, like, if if I happen to see something like CBS News, which I try to avoid, and I see whatever they're saying about anything, I just look at it and, and I just say to myself, and it's all fake. And that's how, I, that's how I get through my day without a lot of stress. So you might ask, now how could anybody possibly be doing that with the markets? How could they be buying up the markets? That is a weird concept. Harold, how could they be doing that? Well, that's why I'm here. I like to back up what I say with some explanation. What a concept, huh? This is a printout I just made today. If you want to look it up yourself, uh, it's called Executive Order 12631. And I'm going to read a few pieces of it. It's only about a page and a half long. But this also, this one little executive order that you can look up, if you want to ask the question, who runs this country? This says it all in four lines because it's under Section 1. Uh, it says, establishment, there is hereby established a working group on financial markets. The working group shall be composed of, one, the Secretary of the Treasury, two, the Chairman of the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System, three, the Chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission, and four, the Chairman of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Okay, that. Those four people run these markets. This actual executive order is called Working Group on Financial Markets. It was done under President Reagan by virtue of the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution and laws of the United States. It's funny how they do back up the Constitution when it helps them establish laws like this. But... If there's other laws that they don't like, they don't like to use the Constitution. So uh, it says right here, purpose and functions, and uh, recognizing the goals of enhancing the integrity, efficiency, orderliness, and competitiveness of our nation's financial markets and maintaining investor confidence the working group shall identify and consider, one, the major issues raised by the numerous studies on the events in the financial markets surrounding October 19, 1987, and any of those recommendations that have the potential to achieve the goals noted above, and the actions, including governmental actions, that are appropriate to carry out these recommendations. Now, first of all, I mean, I'm not going to become a constitutional scholar here, even though I do have a law degree, but I'm not an attorney and I don't play one on television. I'm not gonna get into a constitutional debate, but I have passed my constitutional law class in law school. Is there something in there that says that our executive branch and the treasury should be worried about the orderliness, integrity, efficiency of, of the nation's financial markets? Who owns the financial markets? I kind of was under the impression that that would be yours and my money. I- am I not right? So here's the bad part of this thing at the end. And like I say, it's only a, less than a page and a half long. The working group shall report to the president on its progress and if appropriate, its views on any recommended legislative changes. Then it says down here under Section 3C, to the extent permitted by law and subject to the availability of funds, therefore, the Department of the Treasury shall provide the working group with such administrative and support services as may be necessary for the performance of its functions. I want to clarify this and integrate this with the other article I read to you probably six weeks ago. And I've mentioned it two or three times since then. If you want to Google something and get some really interesting reading, Google uh, Michigan State University $21 trillion. That will lead you to the articles that discuss the Michigan State University economics professor who found $21 trillion of stolen money in the ledgers of 15 years of the Department of Defense and housing and urban development that is completely missing money. What I'm trying to point out here is that there is a good chance that a lot of this trillions are being used by this working group on... I'm sorry, i got to remember the name of this because I have a nickname for it I'm going to tell you in a minute. It's called the Working Group on Financial Markets. The name that I call it is the plunge protection team. This thing is designed so that when the stock market goes way down, they have the, now here's the problem. They have the authority, but not the obligation to step in and save the market. Here's my beef with this whole thing. If they were to guarantee that the market would never go down, it would only go up, then we could all safely leave our money in the stock market, put more in, and have Facebook and uh, YouTube and all those wonderful companies just make us money hand over fist forever. The problem is, what if they come to a point where they decide not to prop the market up? If there's one of those days where the market's down 1,100 points like there was about a month or so ago, if there's one of those days and they don't come in and prop the market up the next day, I can guarantee you it'll probably be down 2,000 the next day because everybody I know... If they see $1,100 and $1,200 going down a day for a day or two, I'm sorry, eleven or 1200 points a day or a day or two, believe me, they're going to be on the horn with their broker saying, get me out of this thing tomorrow. And that is what snowballs into a market crash. Now, these market crashes, as I've pointed out, and any chart will tell you there was a big one in the year 2000, there was a really big one in the year 2008, and we're due for another one. We just haven't had one. In my opinion, it's because the plunge protection team has really taken over the hold, especially especially since the 07 and the 08 years. And it's just become it's just become normal now. It's become normal that these markets get backstopped by uh this this plunge stuff. So this protection things. Now I brought an article here that I want to read to you. It's actually uh, it's not, uh, it's not, it, I don't think it's real new, but it's appropriate to what I'm talking about. So uh, I'm just going to read uh, some of this right now. Former member of Plunge Protection Team confirms government controls all markets. It says, for years, many economists and investors believe that the government played a much bigger role in controlling markets than the mainstream led on. And when you look at how regulatory bodies such as the CFTC and SEC, and by the way, those are the two that are mentioned in the executive order I just read to you. Those are two of the four. Uh, The CFTC and SEC failed to halt illegal activity by banks and corporations in areas such as insider insider trading, naked short selling, and commodity manipulation. The evidence of this becomes much too strong to ignore. And I will also point out with all of the, crooked bailout stuff that happened in 07 and 08. Uh, Where is there an arrest? Can I see a list of arrested people who stole trillions of dollars? Oh, sorry, there is no list of people who got arrested. Okay. And I'm just going to read a little more of this. But for the first time in the decades of this conspiracy theory belief, the oppressed finally have a whistleblower and one who actually worked on the government's plunge protection team. And like Edward Snowden's revelations of government spying occurring over every aspect of our lives, so too does former U.S. financial advisor Dr. Pippa Malmgren publicly affirm that not only does the government manipulate the markets as they see fit, they control every aspect of them. And this is quoting from Pippa Malmgren, M-A-L-M-G-R-E-N. One year after the great stock market crash in 1987, U.S. President Ronald Reagan launched the Working Group on Financial Markets. Conspiracy theorists believe, however, that the real task of this committee is to protect against a renewed slump in the stock market. In the jargon of Wall Street, the Working Group is known as the Plunge Protection Team. One glimpse at a few days during 2007 and 2008, and it is clear that someone with infinitely deep pockets was able to support markets on several critical days. Though, of course, anyone proclaiming intervention was propagandized away as a conspiracy theory wonk. However, as Dr. Pippa Mongren, a former member of the U.S. President's Working Group on Financial Markets, it is not conspiracy theory, it is conspiracy fact. And this is her quote, there is no price discovery anymore by the market. Governments impose prices on the markets. Since the 2008 credit crisis and subsequent Great Recession, Tens of trillions of dollars have artificially been put into the markets to prevent the global economy from massive declines, bankrupting of most major banks, and overall collapse. So I don't want to belabor the point, but I do want to... This is why I keep telling you it's fine to be in the stock market because lately it's been doing pretty well, but you've got to have at least some money insurance with some physical gold so that if and when this thing crashes, you'll have something real. All you have right now is paper and the obligation of somebody to pay you back what you say you own. And if things go bad, it might not even be easy to get your money out of these markets. There may be a time where you will have a big market turndown and you'll call your broker and they'll say, oh, sorry, everything's closed. And here's what happens. The big boys get their money out first and uh, you call later and you try to get your money out, but it may or may not be available. I'm telling you that there needs to be some sort of insurance and some sort of alternative to your standard investments because this whole zero interest rate crazy thing we've had since 08 is just not normal. And I'm calling it fake. I'll be right back after this last break for another little segment. I'm going to give you another idea of how to protect your money coming right up on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. Harold Littlejohn's coming back. The Bible is a book of history. This is Ken Ham, a publisher of the award-winning family magazine, Answers. This week, we've been looking at how teaching the Bible chronologically makes it come alive. It connects the dots and flow of biblical history and see God's hand throughout history. But we also need to connect the Bible with the world around us. As you teach God's word, show how it connects with archeology, span geology, biology, and anthropology. People need to see that the Bible is not some storybook full of just moral truths. It's a book of history. It connects with real people, places, and events in history. And this unleashes a powerful truth. If we can trust what the Bible says about history, we can trust what it says about the gospel based in that history. Get answers to the skeptical questions of our day at AnswersRadio.com and plan your visit to the full-size Noah's Ark south of Cincinnati when you go to
1: AnswersRadio.com long-range missile reportedly fired this morning by iran
0: 47 acres of the burned the news lets you know what's going on in the world but a few
1: things you should know about most news outlets they don't make money if they don't get good ratings and they all know that bad news gets good ratings
0: a
2: violent terror attack outside the american so the more Consul. they
0: inflate the bad news the more gripping a story can seem <laughs> turn off all that bad news and tune in here we have a positive approach to life and, and always
1: news. good news listen here you found life radio kkxx AM and
0: FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn CPA here as your host. I'm so glad you're here today with me. I want to get into a little more about alternative money. Now, I made the decision a while back to make sure I had part of my portfolio in uh, gold and some silver also. But the main thing is, is that you need protection when things go bad. There's things going on that I've mentioned before. Venezuela is having what's called hyperinflation and every day they lose another big chunk of their buy, purchasing power and i even have an article here i'm not going to read it today but it's mentioning that the government in order to bring in order to bring medicine into the country for the people that need it the government is actually asking other countries to accept diamonds and gold as payment because nobody they don't have any dollars the exchange rate is so bad that their currency they can print all night long and it will not be enough to pay for anything no one will no one will accept their currency it's worthless and it's going down every day at some point all paper money reverts to its intrinsic value of zero it's a known fact it's it's now anybody who says oh no it hasn't we still have paper money yes we do but the value of the dollar since the federal reserve took over in 1913 has gone down about 97%. So you have 3% of what you used to have in one dollar. This is not a healthy currency. People think it is because it's the lesser of the evils when you look around the world at some of the other currencies like Venezuela. So my point is is that all paper money is just that. It's only as good as the belief and confidence in the system behind it. One of the evidences that the system is not doing well and that there is a lot less confidence in the system is not only the whole thing about people who are buying gold and silver, but it's called cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrencies, and I'm not an expert, and this is not financial advice, but it seems to be working, and this is my observation, it seems to be working like an alternative to paper money. A lot of young people, a lot of computer type people have gone all into this, and they've been doing it for years now, and all of us are just slowly awakening to this fact. I'm not young anymore. I mean, I'm young at heart, but physically I'm, oh, I'm, what's that old uh, country song on the backside of 30? I'm on the backside of that at least. What's happened, though, is that there's an entire new age of investors, and it's their, their, their investment of choice is called cryptocurrency. The reason I'm bringing this up is that the rise of the, fam- the most famous one is called Bitcoin. I'm not saying it's the best, it's the oldest and biggest, but Bitcoin started out at something like a tenth of a penny or a penny apiece. I'm not sure. I'm not a historian on this, but I'm just telling you what I know and I'm giving you my observations and my opinions. This is not financial advice. I'm not a certified financial planner. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a pilot. I'm not a banker. I can think of a lot of things I'm not, but I'm also not stupid. And here's what happened. There are people that bought Bitcoins when they were one penny a piece. And if they were lucky and they lucked out when they timed the market, they sold them for over $19,000 each. I I don't even want to do the math of what the percentage gain that is. There's another one called Litecoin that in January of 2017 was I believe priced at about $4 each. They're now $115 or so. And a couple months ago, they were 375 $375 each. So that's a 100 to 1 gain in less than a year. Uh, I believe that, that is 10,000%. What I'm saying is that there's an entire culture that you and I are probably not aware of that are trading 24 hours a day. They don't close the market at... p.m. like the New York Stock Exchange. They don't close from Friday afternoon till Sunday afternoon like the gold and silver NYMEX market uh, in New York. This thing trades 24-7. There's people getting rich with it. There's also people losing money with it. It's called cryptocurrencies, and it's something that everybody should at least be aware of. Myself and a couple of colleagues are putting together a cryptocurrency investment seminar on April 24th from 6 to 9 p.m. at Unwind at 980, which is the new fantastic restaurant that's sort of on the corner of Mangrove and Palmetto, but I wouldn't call it the corner. The corner is the building where the old lions rest. Anybody who's been around as long as I have in Chico remembers Lion's Restaurant. That was then Butte Community Bank. Unfortunately, some, I won't slander anybody, but unfortunately some, quote, people, end quote, at Butte Community Bank did something wrong because their bank went under and they ended up getting taken over by Robo Bank on a Friday afternoon. And then the Rabo Bank branch, unfortunately, because it was pretty darn convenient when your office is on Mangrove, the Rabo Bank branch uh, move. They closed that branch, so Rabo Bank, I believe, is only has two branches now instead of three. So the bottom line is, unwind at 980. Whoa, how did I get off track that far? Okay, I'm so uh, I'm so financially tapped in here today. So unwind at 980 is that new place in the lock? I'll call it the La Comida. Shopping center. That's probably the way everybody can recognize it. It's from 6 to 9 p.m. The admission price, which includes dinner, is only $97. You will get three hours of education, of which two hours will be direct, real-time, hands-on training as to how to go from a complete neophyte newbie with no knowledge of how to deal with cryptocurrencies to somebody who can actually begin trading on various platforms, hundreds of cryptocurrencies. If you're not into trading, you can also become an investor in cryptocurrencies. And even if you don't want to invest, you can still learn about it because I guarantee if you have some young relatives that are nephews and nieces and grandchildren that are in the computer business, I guarantee they're, already knowledgeable about this whole world of cryptocurrencies. I'm not an expert, but I'm going to be the moderator. We have experts that are going to be the speakers. It's going to be a very informative evening. I really am going to say that you're going to learn an awful, awful lot for a mere $97, and that includes a nice dinner. If you've had dinner at Unwind at 980 before, you'll realize how good this food is. And it's going to be, it's going to be really good. So we're going to have two hours of intensive training. We're going to have another hour of dinner and meet and greet and talk. And we're going to have Q and A time question and answer time. It's really going to be fun and it's really going to be educational. We're just now putting together all the brochures, this being tax season. I'm a little bit, it's hard for me to devote enough time to get this launched, but Myself and my partners in this venture are working hard at getting it all ready to go. And we are uh, putting this together for your benefit. Like I say, the $97, we're also going to be donating a portion of the proceeds to charity. Uh, That'll all be detailed when the tickets actually go on sale. I will inform you next week of the exact uh, place to go to get these tickets purchased I'm I'm really recommending that you at least learn about this. If you can't go, you could tell a friend about it, and if you can't be the actual one that attends, maybe someone you know is interested. The reason I wanted to do this seminar and put this thing on is that number one, I need to learn a lot more. I've already delved in. I've talked about this on the show. I've delved in. I've made money. I love it. It's fun. Uh, I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a financial advisor but I can tell you an opinion and I can tell you what I've done and uh, it's been a very pleasant experience getting to know something about these cryptocurrencies now they're getting a bad rap lately I'm going to be honest uh, bitcoin itself has gone from 19,000 down to about 6 or 7 right now and I'm not saying that it's something that you want to put a put a chunk of money in and hold on to and never look at it but They do go up and down, but they're a very good opportunity. And what I was saying before tying this into the whole discussion I had about the plunge protection team is that the rise of the cryptocurrencies, and right now the total market cap, it was up to about seven hundred million. I'm sorry, it was up to about seven hundred billion dollars a couple months ago. Now that there's been a decline, it's around three hundred and fifty billion. The idea here is that this is still a very, very young market. It's just now catching fire. It's just now getting more well-known. You don't want to not at least know about this, and you don't want to not at least be aware that there's an entire world of investing that I, I feel that there's probably a whole generation that's skipping the stock market, skipping the bond market, and going into the cryptocurrency world and they have a fun ride, they go way up, they go way down, they go in and out. Some people are called day traders, but a day would be optimistic. Many of these trades these people make are within hours. They're putting money in and getting money out. If you're leveraged, if you have, let's say you have $1,000, and you buy, let's just say you buy 10 Litecoins for around $1,000, and Litecoin goes up by It can happen within five or 10 minutes. You can then exit that position. You might pay some commissions and some percentage. It's also called slippage where you never get the exact price you saw on the screen. But in that, my little scenario, you would have somebody that in maybe two hours made 20% on their investment. That multiplies out to a gigantic return on investment. Now, if you look at your bank statement from Tri-Counties Bank, and I've seen plenty of these lately because I've been doing income taxes on a daily basis, you have people that have $10,000 sitting in a savings account and the earnings for the year haven't been enough to even generate them a 1099 form. And the rule is the bank doesn't print one unless the interest earned is $10 or more. So you actually have people right now who in the old days on on $10,000 Probably would have earned five or six hundred dollars of interest. You have them now sitting with their money in the bank earning virtually zero. That's not a good financial plan when you and I both know that inflation is getting hot, it's getting high. I wanted to also point out if you think inflation isn't hitting you at the grocery store, I want to introduce you to the concept that I have fun looking for. It's a kick, I call it shrinkflation. I didn't invent that word. I read it, but I call it shrinkflation. Here's the deal. I just noticed I use a lot of Ziploc bags, uh, to keep things organized behind my desk and things at work. And what I noticed is the box of Ziploc type bags that fit, uh, you know, eight and a half by 11 paper. Those are called the gallon size for years and years. Those have been sold in boxes of 40. Well, guess what? I went to buy some Box of forty uh, Ziploc bags the other day, and guess what? It was still the same price. They're normally three ninety nine at Safeway. It's a bag. It's a box of thirty eight. So they just stuck me with five percent inflation within a week on something I buy quite a bit of. My forty for four dollars used to be ten cents per. My thirty eight for four dollars. 38 is uh, 95% of 40, which means that I just lost 5% of my purchasing power when it comes to that, and that's called shrinkflation. I'll have you think about one other thing. Do you remember when you used to buy a pound of ground coffee and a pound you learned in school was 16 ounces? Take a look at your, quote, pound of coffee when you go to Safeway and buy a, thing of ground uh, Pete's Coffee or Starbucks or whatever you're buying. Take a look at the weight. For a while, it was 12 ounces. Now it's mainly 11 ounces. So you're still paying, what, $6, 7 $8 for a, quote, pound of coffee? That bag only has 11 ounces in it. That's called shrinkflation. And that's what's eating away at your spare money. You think prices aren't that high? You're getting less in your grocery bag and paying the same amount. All of these things add up together. It's If it sounds like I'm rambling, it's number one, I've been working late hours, so I'm tired. But really, I, the things that I'm telling you, they all fit together. Inflation is eating away at the purchasing power of your dollar. The plunge protection team is making you think that the economy looks good when it really isn't that good. Also, the government comes out with unemployment numbers of 4.2% that are completely bogus. I know a lot more than one out of 25 of the people I see in Chico are uh, more than unemployed. Well, it's been a wonderful hour. I hope you've learned something. I really enjoyed talking about it. Don't forget about the Cryptocurrency Investment Seminar, April 24th at 6 p.m. I'll be getting back to you with more info there. Until next time, this is Harold Littlejohn CPA saying, keep your money safe.
1: KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. With SRN News, I'm
2: Keith Peters in Washington at a speech today in West Virginia. President Trump is defending his proposed tariffs on Chinese imports.
0: I have great respect for the president of China, President Xi. He's a friend of mine. And I'm a friend of his, and I like him a lot. But he's representing China, and I'm representing the United States of America. And it was time that we did something.
2: The president was in West Virginia to discuss his tax overhaul with business owners and families. Mr. Trump also spoke about his tough immigration and trade plans. He linked immigration with the rise of violent gangs like MS-13 and suggested anew that there had been widespread fraud in the 2016 election that cost him the popular vote. Facebook's acknowledgement that most of its 2.2 billion members have probably had their personal data scraped by malicious actors is the latest example of the social network's failure to protect its users' data. CEO Mark Zuckerberg told reporters Wednesday that Facebook is shutting down the ability to search for Facebook users by phone number or email address. It was a stunning admission for a company already reeling from allegations that the political consulting firm Cambridge Analytica misappropriated Facebook user information for political purposes. Sears joins the list of companies that have recently experienced hacking attacks. Correspondent Linda Kenyon has details. Sears reports a third-party breach of credit card information that impacted less than 100,000 of its customers who made online purchases at Sears and Kmart stores. The transactions occurred between late September and October of last year.